Good morning. Could you all turn in your Bibles to Psalm 95? We'll be there this morning. Psalm 95. Let me read for us. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. And this is where we'll be focusing most of our time today. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test, Put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said they are a people who go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before your word. We ask you to speak to us this morning, just as the the songs, just as the prayer that we've already given you through songs. Speak to us today, O Lord. Would you renew our hearts, renew our minds? Would you plant this word firmly inside of us? And may you compel us towards obedience today. May we hear your voice and not harden our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing a series this week on practical spirituality. And this week we are talking about a part of our faith that is very foundational. And in the church, it both gets talked about all the time and also not at all. And what I'm referring to is this concept of listening to God. Because around the church, in small groups or in conversations, we'll frequently hear, God has told me this from his word. Or I feel God leading me here. Or God is telling you this or that. And it's so commonplace that we don't give it another thought or really the question mark that it kind of deserves. See, to the outside world looking in on the church, this is exactly what makes us kind of loony. It seems like at least once a month we can hear on the news someone heard God to do them some, some horrible, horrendous act, right? And many non-Christians would hear our statements on God speaking to us and simply just put us in the category of people that need to be on some serious medication, So in the face of all that, do we backpedal? Is God speaking something that is only safe to talk about in church? Or do we just diminish it and say, well, God's not so much speaking as giving me feelings. Or if we're questioned, we might just separate ourselves completely and say, oh, I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm the cool kind of Christian that just cares about loving people and not doing anything crazy. But the fundamental thing that we can't deny is that spirituality is in and of itself supernatural. To some degree, this is going to stretch us, this is going to make us uncomfortable, because we are tasked with discerning things that are not of this world. To a degree, we will be crazy to the world around us. 
But the greatest part about all of this is that we have not been left to figure this out on our own or simply to claim God speaking here and there just as we please. As Christians, we've been given boundaries that help us to discern what is up, what is down, and how to navigate this supernatural Christian life. So how do I know when God is speaking? Which things do I attribute to him? How do I hear his voice? Obviously, we have a lot of ground to cover, so we'll just get started. The fundamental principles that are going to guide us here is one, that God has spoken, and two, that we should listen. I want to read verses 3 through 7 of this psalm. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. So the psalmist here calls us, Today, if you hear His voice. Now, if we are compelled to hear His voice, it must mean that God Himself is speaking. And the reason this idea of God speaking is fundamental to our spirituality It's because it's really what separates us from most other religions out there. Because our belief is that God has transcended, that he has spoken to his creation, not only to certain prophets or certain leaders who then write it down, but instead we we read it here. All people are called. Those in the church, those outside of the church, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So the call goes out. God has spoken. Do you hear his voice? Now, if we want good reason to listen to the voice of God, we must first understand the ways that he might talk to us. And there are many different aspects of this that we could discuss, but I wanted to just talk about two kinds of speech that God gives us specifically. We have the decrees of a king and the instruction of a father. The first, and I would say probably most well-known words of God, are his decrees as king. Most of us would be familiar with commands from Scripture like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal, murder, commit adultery, bear false witness. We also read of Jesus summarizing the law of God by saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and you shall love the neighbor as yourself. So in giving these commands to us, we see God speaking as a wise legislator. God is a lawgiver. However, he gives these commands for our good. By following his decrees, we will honor him, we won't sin against him, and we'll live well with our neighbor around us. We also see that God as our king is a just ruler. In his decrees, we are commanded to care for the widow and the orphan, for the downtrodden, to seek justice for those who are oppressed. And for the nation of Israel, he set laws to prevent people from being taken advantage of, to allow the hungry to eat, and for those who were fleeing hardship to find refuge. So secondly, we must see the way that God speaks to us as a loving father. More often, we might only stick to his decrees as king, and then we would see him separated from us, and we could be tempted to see him as uninvolved in our lives. It is his words as father where we actually experience him kneeling down beside us, speaking into our ear, 
and giving us instruction out of his love and out of his care for us. So I want us to look at a passage from Hebrews chapter 12. And this will be up on the screen. We're going to be going to a few different passages, so you can stay there in your Bible and we can uh, read these other ones off the screen. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, the first thing I want you to see from this passage is the affirmation that God speaks to us as members of his family. Receiving instruction is such a blessing to us that we would have someone who cares for us so deeply that they would seek our well-being and would train us in the right way. Now, often we are more drawn in this passage to what we would perceive as negative, which would be the discipline. And I love this passage because I feel like the sentiment is just perfect for what we actually do and feel. When we're disciplined or rebuked, we, we would huff and puff, we might go sulk in the corner for a little while. But then when we reflect in our lives that someone had the care to show us right from wrong, we actually gained respect for them. When you have your own kids, you grow an appreciation for things that your parents had said to you or the punishments that they had given you because then you're able to see, oh, it was for my own good. So I want us to reflect on this briefly, the two kinds of speech that God gives us, decrees of a king and how he instructs us as a loving father. I think these are things that we would acknowledge and probably even agree to. But we revile and we rebel against these things because we are a sinful and rebellious people. We want a just king, but we don't want a king who would find any fault in the things that I'm inclined towards or the activities that I want to be involved in. We want a loving father, but we would rather have one that spoils us by affirming how great we are instead of one who would guide us towards true greatness. So in this, we see the necessity. God has spoken, but we must listen. So what gives God the right to tell us what to do? Now, as as we've already established, we might agree with statements that God makes, but we choose not to listen to them. Instead of expecting you to listen to them on my account, I want you um, to show you from Psalm 95 why we should be compelled to listen to them. So let's look at verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Now God has created us. And this was out of no capacity of loneliness in Him that He needed to create people to tell Him how great He is. Or it's out of some insecurity that He might have. It was also not to be so removed from us that we need to act like we're just these ants crawling along the ground praying that he's not going to smush us. The picture of the shepherd with the sheep that God gives us is one of guidance and care and protection. It is one of God knowing us intimately and deeply 
yet also of correction and care. This is the God that is worthy of our listening to. We are his creation, that he comes alongside and cares for us and seeks our well-being. So it's here that we can finally address the question of how God speaks to us. Now we must talk about the more ordinary ways in which God does this, and then we can touch on some more extraordinary ways. So if the question is asked, does God speak to his people, and how does he speak, the first and foremost place we have to go to is Scripture itself. Now, there are many places we could go to affirm this, but let's just look at a couple of verses here. 2 Timothy three, sixteen and 17, which will be up on the screen. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, So we know God, first and foremost, because he has spoken to us in his word. When the verse in scripture says, breathed out, that's a reference to speaking. It also covers what you need. Teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. And notice I said, what you need, not always what you want. Now our Christian doctrine teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit who illuminates the scripture who gives us the interpretation, who trains us towards righteousness. And I want to show you two places in Scripture that we see this. I chose Psalm 95 on purpose because it's also quoted by the author to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3. This will be up on the screen. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. And saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation, and I said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now notice how the author of of Hebrews attributes this psalm to the Holy Spirit speaking. Where also, if you go to Hebrews chapter 4, the author continues analyzing this psalm, and he recognizes that it was David who wrote it. So this is not a new idea that we have made up here, that God has spoken in Scripture using human writers. We have the depth here of seeing that though humans have written, it is very much God speaking. We also see this idea of illumination in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. To the person who is not a Christian, the Bible is just a book. It's a collection of stories and writings, nothing more. And plenty of people have made a career out of knowing the Scripture, studying the Scripture, teaching the Scripture, without having the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Now, if you want meaning to come from your study of Scripture, it is only through the Spirit giving you interpretation that that will happen. If you desire to hear the voice of God, His Spirit must dwell within you. 
This is the ordinary and, I would say, most important place to be hearing God speaking to you. If you want to hear from God, you can be assured He will use the Scripture to speak to you. This book is His Word given to you. And I say this is ordinary because it's the most common and simple But the fact that God transcends the divide of the spiritual world and the natural world to speak to us through the words of human authors, well, that's anything but ordinary, right? That itself is extraordinary. Every time you read the Bible, it's a supernatural event. How much do we take for granted that we carry this with us everywhere we go? Not only in written form, but on our phones, literally everywhere we go, We carry the words of God with us. So the real question you must ask, and truly this is the evangelical crisis of our day, is this scripture enough for you? Is what God has already spoken enough for you? 2 Peter 1.3 tells us, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. He's given us. He's spoken to us. Is it enough for you? See, Christians everywhere do not want to rest on that. They would rather be looking in the world for signs or for symbols or for other new revelation or wonders or for God to speak to them outside of Scripture. And one of the most dangerous ways that this happens, it's, it's very subtle, but I think you will recognize how this is used. There's plenty of articles, plenty of blogs, plenty of so-called Christian thinkers out there. And they'll call to you of how you're supposed to be as Christians. And apart from cherry-picking verses from here and there, they will more often call into question your view of Jesus. See, in our culture today, more important than what Jesus said and is recorded for us in Scripture is what I feel like he might say. Let me say that again. In our culture today, more important than what Jesus said is what we feel like he might say. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that sound like something a Christian would do? That's not the Jesus I know. He's loving more than corrective. He's the father that spoils you rather than calling you out, telling you're wrong. We then allow that perception of Jesus to guide us rather than the actual words that are in Scripture. Now, apart from the blogs and articles that you can read this on, I want to caution you with a book. It's this book, Jesus Calling. And this book has sold so many copies that, statistically speaking, you each own three of them. (laughs) And I want to be careful here, because I know a lot of you own this, a lot of you like it. And so, hear this as a caution to you. If you don't know anything about this book, it's a devotional that's to be read day by day, and it's put in the words of Jesus writing to the author. And so you don't have to take my words for it. I'm actually going to read the back of the book here. After many years of writing her own words in her prayer journal, missionary Sarah Young decided to be more attentive to the, spirit, to the Savior's voice and began listening for what he was saying. So with pen in hand, she embarked on a journey that forever changed her and many others around the world. In these powerful pages are the words and scriptures Jesus lovingly laid on her heart, words of reassurance, comfort, hope, words that have made her increasingly aware of his presence 
and allowed her to enjoy his peace. Jesus is calling out to you in the same way. Maybe you share the author's need for a greater sense of God with you. Or perhaps Jesus seems distant without you knowing why. Or maybe you have wandered farther from him than you ever imagined you would. Here's a year's worth of daily readings from Young's journals to bring you closer to Christ and move your time with him from a monologue to a dialogue. Each day is written as if Jesus himself were speaking to you, because he is. Do you hear him calling? That last part's my favorite. I'm going to read that again. Each, each day is written as if Jesus himself were speaking to you, because he is. Do you hear him calling? Now, you can see quickly that the only way a book like this is written is by believing that God might speak to you differently and more personally outside of Scripture. It calls into question whether or not this is enough for me. Now, it is not Jesus speaking. It's a perceived Jesus speaking. Yes, you might say there are Bible verses provided for each day. But the greatest irony of all, the Bible verse provided is actually the only place Jesus is speaking to you. Now, I'm saying this is a caution to you. Because I'm sure there is great truth that you could find in here. But do you hear God speaking to you more in a book like this than you do in Scripture itself? In general, do you seek to hear God from other books or from Christian music or from other signs and wonders and feelings apart from Scripture itself? Would you even hold that things that you heard elsewhere on the same level as you would with Scripture? Now, I will say, this is not a problem with Scripture. It's a problem with understanding how to read Scripture. So please, please, please talk with the pastors or the elders on how to read Scripture. How to grow in this way. This is how God desires to communicate with us. We need to humble ourselves and go before His Word to hear His voice. We need to submit to it even when everything within us rebels against what it says. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word, and his word is enough for us. Now, if you don't know scripture, or you feel like you should know more than you do, don't be ashamed of that. Instead, ask someone who is further along than you to come alongside you and help you read scripture, to read scripture with one another. Learn from others. There are various methods, there's various schools of thought, each of us kind of read the Bible differently, and there's merit to all these different methods. But the most important thing is that you read his word and you seek to live it out. Now, as Christians, we must rest in God revealing himself and speaking to us through scripture. And we must practice daily that this is sufficient for us. But I would be doing you a disservice if I did not touch on the more extraordinary ways that God speaks. This is where it gets really messy with our discussion. Because it deals with the feelings. The open doors. The liver quivers. The clear signs. The the still small voice. What other other words we're going to put to it in our Christian language. To illustrate a more extraordinary time of God speaking in my life. It's when I felt compelled to pursue pastoral ministry. 
Because many of you in this church have read the exact same Bible verses I have and did not feel compelled to pursue pastoral ministry. So when I was in college, I was pursuing a degree in psychology. And I had my education all lined out for me. I, uh, I was going to finish college in three years. I had done a lot of extra work. I was going to pursue a master's, going to pursue a PhD, do some sort of private practice. And I was being discipled by an older believer, and he challenged me to read scripture pertaining to the church and about church leadership and God's plan for the church. And so I was doing that, I was reading, and then I was putting that learning into action. I started practicing evangelism and discipleship and leading Bible studies. And then the more I would read about the church, the more I felt compelled that this was a leading of God into ministry. It meant going against the plan that I had laid out for my life. It meant going against the potential higher paycheck. It meant going against what I was studying and training toward. But this is what we would speak to as a call. Now, I did not hear God audibly speaking to me. But I would be lying if I told you that I didn't feel like he was speaking to me. This was something specific to me that's not to everyone. And in your own life, you might have an example of this. You may have experienced going after a call on your life that you could not explain outside of a conviction that God had given you. So, how do we then determine if God is talking to me in a more extraordinary way? First of all, don't assume he is. I think there's a lot of instances where someone feels like they have to legitimize or spiritualize something in their life in order for those around them to take it seriously. And there's no greater appeal than to say, God told me to do it. So we need to take more caution when attributing God's name to something. Because sometimes we just made a decision based on good wisdom, and that's a good thing. That's something God has told us to do. That's the way God expects us to live our lives. We have the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Job in our Bible, and they're called the wisdom literature. What they are there for is to help shape our worldview, to give us perspective, and encourage us towards righteous living. We're supposed to make wise decisions, and that's how we learn, by devouring his word. So why don't we speak more often instead about how God's word has convicted us of our sin, how it challenges our depraved nature, how it's corrected us, compelled us to follow his decrees. Because far too often people are using God told me as an excuse for sinful behavior or unwise behavior or to gain some kind of validation or attention. But let us keep a proper caution here lest we be guilty of taking his name in vain. Secondly, if you feel God has spoken to you, you must, must, must check it in line with Scripture. Scripture is God's word. It's the primary way that he is speaking to you. When you hear God speak apart from you reading your Bible, I want you guys to think about it like this. God revealing or bringing up Scripture to you specifically in a specific circumstance. You should then go back to Scripture and see, yes, what I was feeling is what God has already commanded that I do, and I see that clearly in Scripture. The people who are hearing God speak after they have put their Bibles down are the ones who are doing as God commanded, which is to 
have the Word in our minds, in our hearts, on our tongues. The Holy Spirit works in us by bringing to mind the words that that God has already spoken to us, to shape us, to challenge us, to correct us. And this is what happens when we read Scripture and go about our day. You will not hear God contradict what He has already written. Let me give you a couple examples of checking things in with Scripture. If you are a guy hearing from God that you should marry this girl that you've been dating, a quintessential question. Check with Scripture. What does it say? He who has found a wife has found a good thing. Man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two become one flesh. The mystery is profound, but it's a picture of Christ in the church. The Bible has volumes to say in support of marriage. Now, man feels God is telling him to engage in homosexual marriage. Checks in line with Scripture. He's going to be confronted with seeing homosexual activity called sinful, perverse, immoral, let alone never condoned in any marriage passage. God hasn't been silent. It's a question of where God has spoken, are we going to listen? I'll give you another example. If you felt God was telling you that you don't need to evangelize your neighbors and coworkers because that's why you support pastors and missionaries, or because you feel like it's not loving, or you just want to let your actions speak, whatever you feel God is telling you. What happens when you confirm that with Scripture? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. How are they to hear the good news if no one speaks? Love thy neighbor. Speak the truth in love. And the third thing I want to tell you guys. Thirdly, bring these things before your community. We need help. We need to guide one another. First of all, on how to study Scripture and speaking Scripture to one another, but we also need support in our faith. We need help discerning what is of God and what is not. So if you feel like God is speaking to you and you bring it before the people around you, they might tell you that you're wrong. They might give you some correction on that. And that's okay. We need to not be fearful of that. Because when we check things with Scripture, we're either going to find correction or we're going to find more encouragement in that direction. Same with bringing it to the people around us. We will either find correction or we'll find more encouragement there. And this is the way that God has ordained it to work. He has given us one another for this exact purpose. So as we have seen revealed in Scripture today, God does speak. We are not left alone to discern these supernatural things on our own. He not only spoke, but he made sure his words got written down so that we would have it. He has given us his Holy Spirit that indwells us, that guides us, that brings to mind the words that he has spoken. And he's also given us one another. So I want to end by bringing us back to the words in this psalm. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The passage goes on to call you back to Old Testament stories of how poorly it goes for God's people when they do not listen. He's calling out to us. He's pleading with us to follow in his ways. If we are to hear him, 
We must be softened. We must be humbled to follow his way and not our own. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for speaking. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to discern your will, to discern the supernatural and natural world around us. It's quite a daunting task that you've given us, but you have not left us alone, Lord. You guide us, you walk with us as a sheep to a shepherd. Father, I pray that you would confirm these words. As we go from here and we confirm this sermon with Scripture, would you continue speaking to us? We ask that as we hear from you, that we would be humbled to follow you more closely, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.